1: Welcome back to New Books in Jewish Studies. I'm your host, Max Kaiser. We have a great show for you today. With us we have Miriam Zadoff, the director of the Munich Documentation Center for the History of National Socialism. She's here to talk to us about her new book, Werner Scholem, A German Life. The English version was translated by Donna Geyer, and it was published in 2018 by the University of Pennsylvania Press. Uh, Miriam thanks very much for being with us on the program um first question how did you come to write this book
0: um Thank you, Max, for having me. Uh, How did I come to write this book? It's actually thanks to my husband, um, who is a researcher of Gershom Scholem, who is the more famous Scholem, um, a researcher of uh, Kabbalah, Jewish religion, who was one of the most important and influential intellectuals in Israel and Germany. So... um, Many years ago I have uh first i first met my husband Noam, uh, and back then I was working on a different book I was working on Jews and spas. And uh, uh, I had just fin- finished writing this book, and I visited him in Jerusalem where he lived then. Uh, and he came from the archive and he said, you know what I found, I found an exchange of letters between Gershom Scholem and Ernst Jünger. Now, Ernst Jünger, might not be, um, you might not be familiar with him, but he was one of the most important writers of the German Rite. And the question was, why would somebody like Gershom Scholem be in touch with Ernst Jünger? Um, and we looked at those letters together, and those letters were an exchange about the brother, because Werner Scholem had been a classmate of Anne Jünger's. And so there is this exchange of letters between two intellectuals, one a central Israeli, but also German intellectual. And on the other hand, we have this very central figure in Germany, sort of for the German center-right intellectuals, that are exchanging letters in the 1970s about a brother that was completely forgotten. And that was where the story started and where it got curious what is this? Who who was this person? Who was this person who had once been the famous Scholem in Germany? And what was this exchange about? Uh, And they were basically discussing the fate of um, German Jewry because Gershom Scholem had left Germany in the 1920s uh, and Werner Scholem had died in the Holocaust. Uh, And Ernst Jünger was very uncomfortable with that and um, he was trying to come uh, to terms uh, with Sholem in this exchange and it was an exchange about the Jews we usually don't remember, uh, communist Jews, uh, political Jews, who kind of disappeared from Jewish memory as well as German memory.
1: So maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about um, why Werner Scholem used to be the, the more well-known one. What was he? well-known for, and then mm-hmm. if you could tell us a bit about um, the way you start the book, which is discussing a bit of Bernard Scholem's early family life and his controversial marriage.
0: Um Bernd Scholem became very famous because he was one of the youngest, most rebellious members of first of all, the 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 positional uh, uh, social democrats in Germany who were against the war throughout World War, uh, and he then joined very early on the Communist Party, um, and he was uh, an intellectual uh, who his view was uh, that of. Um, a communist Germany, uh, but not necessarily a Stalinist one. And this was what happened then in the 1925, 1926, uh, that uh, he was seen as too controversial because he would not align himself with the ideas of the Soviet uh, uh, the Soviet program for the German Communist Party. Uh, he was too—he um, was too much of an individual thinker, uh, too much of a critical mind, uh, and that's why he was expelled uh, from the pre- party early on, and that's also why he kind of disappeared and was not remembered. Also, in, in communist memory, he was only seen as a dissident, somebody who had been too controversial for the party. Um, I'm starting the book with the story of a marriage. That was an unusual marriage, uh, because these kind of marriages, they did happen, but not too often. It was a marriage that happened during World War One in uh, December 1917, when Werner Scholem decided to marry his uh, fiancée, his girlfriend, for three years already, um, who was not Jewish and who was not a member of the middle class. And his parents were very critical about this decision. And they basically, his father, decided to disinherit him and uh, and didn't want to see him uh, or his wife again. So this was for him, it was really sort of... Um, uh, you know, ending his relationship with the German Jewish bourgeoisie and saying, "Well, I am fighting for the revolution, and this is the sign. I'm marrying this woman who is so different from anything else uh, that I know that I come from," uh, and um, uh, and he he made it public by doing by marrying uh, Emmy
1: Wichelt. So, in in the first part of your book. Uh, you look at the formation of Werner Scholem's ideas and politics, and particularly as they relate to um, the ideas of his brother Gerhard, a.k.a. um, Mm -hmm. Gershom Scholem. So tell us a bit about, about this.
0: Um, so during World War I, both brothers started an intensive um, exchange, a correspondence, because they were most of the uh, time not in the same place. Uh, Gershom Scholem was the younger brother. He was still living at home, whereas his uh, uh, older brother had been sent to boarding school uh, and then was drafted to the army. And uh, their exchange was about their political ideas. They were both still searching for a political path. Uh, When the war broke out, uh, Gershom Scholem was um, not yet... uh, 17 and Werner Scholem uh, was 18 so they were relatively young Um, and they uh, actually I think for the first time they always had been close but for the first time they found common political ground because they both uh, opposed the war Uh, Werner Scholem because he was a socialist uh, and Gershom Scholem because he uh, had a very strong Jewish identity and he could not understand or could not support the idea of Jews fighting other Jews. And so their first um, uh, public political act was uh, writing a letter to a newspaper protesting against uh, German Zionists supporting the war. Um, both for their own reasons, uh, they they thought that this could not would not be possible because Zionists were fighting Zionists, uh, so- socialists were fighting socialists across uh, the front lines, um, and so throughout the war they had this uh, very vivid exchange about their political ideas, about uh, uh, a possible revolution in Germany, uh, about. Um, the question whether the socialist revolution could support the Jewish revolution and the other way around Um, and this was a discussion that Gershom Scholem then later on continued with uh, Walter Benjamin who he became friends with and this is an exchange that is quite well known Uh, and Benjamin like Werner Scholem uh, was also a supporter of the socialist cause so we're we're basically observing two German Jews that uh, were finding their political identity uh, between being Jewish uh, revolutionaries and socialists, because also Gershom Scholem was playing with this idea of supporting the Socialist Party, whereas Werner Scholem was playing with the idea of supporting the Zionist cause.
1: Great. So you then look at uh, Werner Scholem as a successful politician and public figure. Um, Tell us a bit about this.
0: So, the end of the war was also the the end of the relationship for those two brothers, um, because with the end of the war, it was clear that their path would lead into opposite directions. And uh, Gershom Scholem eventually moved to Palestine, whereas Werner Scholem chose the path of becoming a German politician, which is kind of surprising because he uh, had to fight in the war. He was forced to fight in a war that he vigorously opposed um, and he hated Germany for that Uh, and I think for that reason he was fighting for a revolution in Germany so he like many other Jewish communists at that time uh, could only see a solution of the Jewish question as it was called uh, at that time um, uh, through uh, a German revolution uh, through a socialist revolution whereas his brother thought the only way was um, uh, to emigrate to Palestine. Um, And so Bernd Scholem became very active first as a party journalist and then uh, as the youngest member of the Prussian parliament and later on uh, the Reichstag, the German parliament. Uh, And he was seen as an enfant terrible. He was was very... um, sort of, uh, he was a, a rebellious spirit, um, uh, he was always sort of like, he was known for his uh, individualistic uh, thought and, and behavior, um, and um, he was never, unlike many other Jewish communists, hiding his Jewish identity, so he never changed his name. Uh, And he was always seen by his party comrades as well as by the opposition, especially the early national socialists, as the intellectual uh, Jew. In the party, uh, this was the role he played, uh, and he quite consciously played. He was facing anti-Semitism, anti-Semitic attacks, and he would always answer them in a very rationalistic way. And he would say, "Well, this is not the level that I want to talk on. I'm talking about politics here. I'm talking about vision." Um, he was very idealistic. I think, like if if when when I was looking at him, I sometimes had the feeling he was almost naive in his political belief um, so he's citing fighting for the communist for the socialist cause in Germany at that time and for him this meant also finding a way of solving the Jewish question um, he was for example uh, taking a stand in the infamous debate when the German parliament was discussing about um, uh, deporting uh Polish Jewish refugees, uh, war refugees who were still in Berlin, uh, and he would uh, defend their cause, not for Jewish reasons, but um, for humanistic reasons.
1: So, you then look at the period after 1933, when Werner was arrested. Tell us a bit about this.
0: Um, so Werner Scholem, as I've mentioned before, was expelled from the KPD in 1925-1926, and he then worked on um, the project of establishing a a party or a group in the spirit of Leon Trotsky, who already was identified as a dissident in, in, in the Soviet Union and who was then already in exile. Um, and all the, the idea behind that was to, after all, bring the revolution to Germany um, and change the fate of Germany because he was very worried, of course, uh, with the growth of national socialism. Um, but then for years, he was not in a pump sort of publicly exposed position. He was not working as a politician anymore. He was studying law, um, wanted to enter the legal profession. Um, But nonetheless, in 1933, in the night when the German uh, parliament went up in flames, he was among the first uh, to um, uh, to be imprisoned. Uh, he was released again because it was still the the old institutions. It was not yet the Gestapo, uh, but he was too slow in leaving Germany. He believed that as uh, a decorated uh, private World War One, he would not be among uh, among those who who were sent to to concentration camp early on. Uh, he planned to leave Germany uh, on a Sunday morning in April 1933. And the same morning, very early uh, on, there was a knock on on the door uh, of the family apartment in Berlin, and it was the Gestapo. um, And they took him in as well as his wife, um, and he was never released. Uh, His wife was released, uh, and she left Germany with their elder daughter, and the younger daughter was brought then uh, a little bit later on to England. They were all in England then. And they were trying to uh, to release, she was trying to release her husband to get him free um, or to find out why he was imprisoned because he hadn't been politically active for such a long time. Uh, As it turned out, there was a case built against him that was based entirely on false evidence. And this was one of the interesting questions about this uh, specific case. It seemed that he was one of the core enemies of Joseph Goebbels, who was then the the Minister of Propaganda in Germany, who had identified him as an enemy uh, already in the mid-1920s. Um because Werner Scholem impersonated the german uh communist intellectual jew, so he could be used also for uh, propaganda uh, um uh, for for anti, anti-Jewish anti propaganda. And this is what actually then happened. There was an exhibition uh, in Germany in 1933. It was called The Eternal Jew. Uh, and Werner Scholem was among those who were put on display there in the form of a plaster mask that was taken uh, off him. And um, at that point, he was already in concentration camp. He had been in prison for a couple of years. He then had, um, his case was brought to court. uh, And it was, uh, he was actually uh, uh, formally released, but immediately brought to concentration camp. And although the family tried To get him free, they they got him visas to Shanghai, to England, to the United States. Um, They did everything they could. A lot of people involved um, tried to help, uh, but there was no way of getting him out of concentration camp. And he was eventually shot in the summer of 1940
1: in Buchenwald. Your biography ends with um, looking at uh, this question of... Uh, the two types of um, Jew, the non-Jewish mm-hmm. and the Jewish, um, which mm-hmm. you cite a, um, an uh, obituary which says that they were the two different types of being Jewish confronted each other unreconciled. And then uh, you say that the, the biography of Werner Scholem um, contradicts that this idea in every respect. Um, could you tell us a bit about what you mean by this?
0: Um I think that we often when I started working on this book many colleagues reacted with asking me but you're a, a Jewish historian why are you working on a on a topic that's not you know a Jewish topic it's not a Jewish studies topic uh and then I would answer and I would say no it is a Jewish studies topic <laughs> and also from the side of the the history of the workers movement I had uh, similar questions that I that I was facing the question was but But these people decided to be communists. They were not Jews. Why are you making them Jewish again? Uh, And I think the case of Werner Scholem shows the complexity, uh, the complexity of identity, of political identity, but also of personal networks that people were uh, living in, um, and the complexity of always being seen as a Jew, whether you decide that you are uh, a communist, uh, a non-Jew, whatsoever, so people were constantly confronted with this idea of, um, you know, this is how a Jew behaves. This is what we expect from a Jew uh, in an anti-Semitic sort of uh, stereoty- stereotypa- uh, st- stereotypical way. Uh, And he had to react to that. So what I wanted to show is the complexity of communist Jewish identity and to bring those biographies back into the realm of Jewish history. Uh, And this is a project that actually someone else had started before me, and this is Gershom Sholem. Because Gershom Sholem um, answered to a request by David Ben-Gurion. David Ben-Gurion asked in the 1950s, asked Israeli intellectuals, he, he asked them about who is a Jew? Uh, And all those people answered with, you know, sort of uh, arguing out of religious law, um, bringing in uh, uh, tradition and so on. And Gershom Sholem was not asked, but he wrote a letter to the newspaper uh, that reported on this discussion. And he said uh in fact i believe um that uh that it's much more complicated and he would uh, refer to uh to uh, james joyce's hero um uh, leopold bloom uh and well, oh i'm sorry was it leopold bloom it was leopold yeah. bloom right yeah, yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> i got stuck between too many german and uh, and, and and english names <laughs> so i can start again so uh gershom scholem was um uh, was writing a newspaper, uh, was writing a letter to the newspaper, and he would refer to Leopold Bloom, James Joyce's hero, and uh, would say, well, according to the Jewish law, this person was not Jewish. But according to everyone else, he was considered to be a Jew. And so he was, uh, when I, I I read this letter as, as him talking about his brother, Talking also about his nieces, who according to the Jewish law are not Jewish, uh, but who were persecuted as Jews, and even his wife, uh, a communist, um, proletarian German woman, uh, who, from 1934, was persecuted as a communist, but also as the wife of a prominent Jewish politician, uh, and so she lived um, under the protection of uh, of Jewish organizations uh she she lived in a network that was increasingly Jewish and then she returned to Germany in the 1960s and what did she do she converted to Judaism and she's now buried in a Jewish cemetery and i think that that even her she's another she's kind of like um he would be the non-Jewish Jew and she would be the Jewish non-Jew uh that are being united here with the Jewish Jew because there is there's hardly anyone Else, who could be could be more of a Jewish Jew than Gershom Sholem, the Zionist, the uh, the Kabbalah for uh, the Kabbalah researcher, um, a, a very central figure in Jewish studies. So uh, the fact that he was surrounded uh, and and sort of closely united um, with his brother, with his sister-in-law. Um, gave me the idea that there is a different tale to tell about uh, uh, about Jewish identity in the 20th century um, and that uh, extends to someone like Walter Benjamin as well who had a very similar sort of non-Jewish identity but who also died as a Jew
1: Just um, before we finish the interview I want to ask a little bit about um, the rest of the, the Sholem family and um, mm-hmm. out of <laughs> Um, interest. I know we we mm-hmm. corresponded a little bit about this. That um, part of the Sholem family ended up in uh, Australia. Is that right? right.
0: Yes, that's right, because there were also, there were actually four Schollen brothers. So we have the two younger ones that I've been talking about now for a while, uh, who were politically involved. Um, And we have the two older ones. One of them was also political. He was a conservative, sort of, he believed in a conservative German identity. The other one was less political. And they left Germany in uh, 1938 and escaped to. Australia, where they lived until the end of their life, and also the mother, which is a very central figure for this story because she was basically... Um, writing. She was the one who reported on what happened in Germany after 1933. That's why we know a lot about what happened to Werner and to the family in general. Um, she uh, she would write long letters to her son in Palestine um, and explain what was going on. So she also escaped to Australia. Uh, she wasn't too happy there. She would have preferred to go to Palestine to her youngest son. Um, but she she couldn't make it um, and she died right after the war um, I believe that Gershom Sholem never came uh, to visit his brothers maybe I'm wrong now maybe he did go um, I don't I don't quite recall if he went to Australia I don't think so but he had towards the end of his life he had um, uh, a long exchange with his elder brother um, when they were sort of reflecting about on their youth, on their experiences, on their different experiences, um, on questions of German Jewish identity, uh, the way they understood it, um, and uh, and I believe there was always a close connection also to uh, the children of uh, the two Australian brothers.
1: Well, thanks very much for um, talking to us about your book. Um, Before we let you go, Miriam, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what you're working on next.
0: Um, I've I've been um, I've been teaching. I had a, a, um, I held a position in, in the United States for the past years. I uh, had a chair for Jewish studies, and I started actually working on uh, the topic of um, uh, of Shiruchim and getting acquainted in modern Judaism, sort of from Shiruchim to Jdate. Um, and um, I've changed my focus now a little bit because um, I've moved to Germany and I'm now director of the Center for uh, the History of National Socialism, as you've mentioned, Uh, and what I'm doing here now is I'm focusing more on memory culture and on the question of how we can um, uh, uh, keep the, the memory on National Socialism, Jewish memory, but also memory of other groups of victims um in you know to keep it alive to keep it sort of like make it still make it part of our our experience and the way we experience everyday life uh we experience recent political developments um And to make, uh, by doing so, uh, um, you know, uh, keeping young people interested in the topic, uh, because I think they only care if it's got, you know, if it's telling them something about themselves and about their world. Uh, So this is this is my big project now.
1: Right. Yeah, that's certainly a big project. Um, Well, (laughs) thank you very much for um, being on the show. So you've been listening to um, New Books in Jewish Studies um, with your host, Max Kaiser, and today we had Miriam Zadoff and she talked to us about her new book, uh, Werner Scholem, A German Life, uh, the English version translated by Donna Geyer, and it was published in 2018 by the University of Pennsylvania Press. Thanks very much.